Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. As an expectant parent, there are so many terms to learn and new feelings to identify in pregnancy. What does it mean when the baby has dropped? What does it feel like? How do you know what's going on? Today, we'll talk about the signs that your baby has dropped in pregnancy. This is Preggy Pals. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant and I have to exercise. What pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? (laughs) Gotta make these pants fit. I've got kinkles. What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals. Preggy Pals is your online, on-the-go support group for expecting parents and those hoping to become pregnant. I'm your host, Stephanie Glover. Did you know that we've recorded over 140 episodes? We've covered topics for every phase of pregnancy. Visit the episode guide on our website to scroll through those topics and listen directly from your computer, through iTunes, or download our free app available on Android, iTunes, and Windows Marketplace. And be sure to check out our new network app where you can listen to all of your favorite new mommy media shows on the go. Here's Sunny with details on how you can get more involved with Preggy Pals. All right. So hi, everybody. We're so glad that you're with us today. And we believe that Preggy Pals is your show. We want you to get involved with the show as much as you feel comfortable doing so. So you obviously can be on the show. You can be a mom that participates in the conversation. But if that's a little bit too much for you, um, one thing I would recommend that you do is you join our Facebook group. So we have got a group. And a lot of times before we actually record our shows, we'll post different questions that we're going to be asking um, some of the moms and dads that are participating in the episode. But we'll post those in advance to um, our Facebook group, and that way you can participate that way. If, if joining us, you know, on a live kind of thing is uh, not quite, you're not quite there yet, <laughs> then this is a good way to kind of ease into the process. So there are different segments that you can participate in our show. So there's a couple that I'll highlight right now. Um, you know, as Stephanie mentioned, you know, we've done a lot of episodes for Preggy Pals, and we're always looking for new topics. Obviously, there, there's new things coming out all the time with regards to pregnancy. So um, we want to know what topics you want to know more about, and then hopefully we can plan some episodes around those. So if you have any story ideas, episode ideas, we would love to hear that. You can post to our Facebook page because we definitely check that out. You can go to our website at newmommymedia.com, and there's a contact link. Another great way, a way that I love is right through our website, you can actually leave a voicemail. So you don't actually have to call us on the phone anymore. You literally click a button and it uses the microphone from your computer and you can send us a voice message through the website. Again, there's a lot more information on our website. If you go to newmommymedia.com, there's a Preggy Pal section of the website and you can click on segments to learn about the different ways you can participate in those segments. Awesome. Thanks, Sunny. Sure. So let's get to know each other a little bit before we dive into today's show. We've got three mamas here on uh, the show today. So let's just go around really quickly and introduce ourselves. I'll go first. I'm Stephanie Glover, host of Preggy Pals. I'm also a trained childbirth educator. I'm a mother of two. Gretchen is four and a half and Lydia is two and a half. And with Gretchen, I had a C-section. And with Lydia, I had a V-back. Sunny? 
Yeah, so I'm Sunny, and I own New Mommy Media, which produces Preggy Pals, as well as a bunch of other podcasts that you guys might be interested in. And I have four kids. My oldest is five, a boy, and I have a four-year-old boy. And then I have twin girls who are two and a half, so I have two and two. And uh, my first son was a vaginal birth, but I had a bunch of complications, which resulted in all my other babies being born via cesarean. Um, and I have a little bit of experience with babies dropping, I think at least with my first. It was kind of hard with the second two because they were delivered early. Um, But we can talk about that a little bit more later. Sounds good. Ursula. Hi, my name is Ursula Sabius Sukunik. I am a childbirth educator, a doula, a midwife's assistant, and I own Birth You Desire, which is a Washington, D.C. company where we are a doula collaboration and we support women through all their birth options. I am also the mother of two boys. Uh, Joe is 18 and Dan is soon to be 17. So I'm in a very different part of my life at this point. Both boys, <laughs> um, both boys were spontaneous vaginal deliveries, um, actually in the all fours position, which is the one position I told my midwife I would not deliver in because <laughs> I wasn't going to deliver like a dog is what I told her. <laughs> but I had both boys on all fours in a birth center with midwives. And it was an empowerative, transformative experience for me. And that's pretty much what propulsion me into this work. Well, thank you and welcome. All right. So before we kick off our conversation today about babies dropping in pregnancy, I want to clarify that, not dropping your baby. It's a totally different topic. So we're going to talk about a news headline. And I saw this. This came across my news feed. You know, I, I do all the Google alerts and I look for, you know, really interesting pregnancy headlines. And I couldn't pass this one up, you guys. So this says Bluetooth enabled pregnancy test hits shelves. Now I am all for electronics, right? I mean, we do this podcast and I feel like my phone is glued to me at the hip and I download apps and all this kind of stuff all the time. That That's just a way of life for me. So this definitely caught my eye. The article itself is pretty brief, which kind of led me to kind of doing some additional research. But here's what the article actually says. It says, first response. So if you guys have taken a pregnancy test, which who listening to the show hasn't, unless you're a male, maybe you haven't personally taken the test. But first response, you know, very popular brand. They now have a, a pregnancy test that enables enables you to send test results to a free mobile app that users can, you know, download on their smartphone. And it retails, it says, between $15 and $22. So while you're waiting for those results, you can use the different features of the app. There's fitness tips on there, pregnancy-related stuff, stuff on fetal uh, development and more. So that's really all the article said. So I'm like, well, I got to learn more about this app. So then I went over to iTunes and First Response does have their own app. And um, I, I have to be honest, you know, this isn't an app review. So I didn't download the app and like, you know, do a bunch of research on, you know, usability and all that kind of stuff. But from what it's saying, it has a lot of the basic information that I think a lot of pregnancy apps would have. So anyway, it's just kind of wanted to get, you know, everyone's perspective on this. Me being a technology kind of person. I mean, initially, I was really excited about it. I'm like, oh, there was something new and interesting about this. And then when I went to it, I'm kind of like, so it sends results to your app. I guess I don't really get it. Am I the only person that doesn't get this? I'm kind of like, I don't understand. Yeah, I, I feel like it's just some an extra step. I mean, if you are looking at the test and you know it's positive, I don't know why you need it uploaded into an app. I don't know why your provider needs to know the moment you find out you're pregnant. 
And how are you planning on telling your husband? Are you going to send him a picture of, hey, I'm pregnant on the app, and that's how you're going to tell your partner you're pregnant? Like, hey, guess what? The pregnancy, the app says I'm pregnant. I think this is a way to pretty much just promote the fact that they have an app, honestly, because you can download this app for free on iTunes. And it actually has some stuff where you can track your ovulation and stuff like that. So to me, I my okay, I have no proof of this. Okay. But to me, I'm thinking the company created an app, they spent a lot of money on an app, it's not getting the results they want. So they're changing their marketing on how they promote it. They're like, hey, everyone's buying our pregnancy sticks, you know, in the store. So let's somehow tie this in and and see if we can make back some money here. I think what might have been more interesting and useful is if the ovulation tests were Bluetooth to the app. Because if you're trying to get pregnant and you maybe want to somehow use that for charting mm-hmm. or, you know, and have it plug in so that you know and, you know, like maybe that would be more helpful. But I kind of feel like once you pee on a stick, you know the result and I'm not sure it's necessary to go into it. Right. right. Yeah, because you're kind of done with it. after. If it's a positive test, you're kind of past the whole tracking point, right? I mean, mean, maybe due date stuff, but then I don't know. There's a disconnect for me somewhere here. I'm not really sure. Yeah. So So anyway. The third image on the the app screen is congratulations, you're pregnant with the positive sign next to it. I'm thinking... Can't you read that on the strip? <laughs> <laughs> Unless the tester doesn't show you on the stick and you have to log into the app to find out. Oh, I don't maybe know. that's yeah, a way to just, use the app. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just one more thing to make the whole thing more confusing. Stressful and yeah, like, <laughs> you know, just allow t- technology to like mess up one more step of the <laughs> process, right? And like watch the app doesn't download properly and you don't know your results in the app and then you're all stressed out. <laughs> Your app freezes. You're like, no, I'm not buying another test. Or what happens if you get the alert in a business meeting? (laughs) Well, hopefully your time here, what does it say? Like three minutes or whatever, 2.15 or whatever it is. Hopefully you're not jetting, peeing on a stick and jetting off to a business meeting. Under the conference table. (laughs) So it's like, you're pregnant, you're pregnant, you're pregnant. Anyway, I kind of feel like this is a miss. But if yeah. this is your thing, if you, you know, if you think this is fantastic, just know that the option is out there. I don't know. I still kind of like, I mean, I, I was a big fan of the digital test that just said pregnant, not pregnant. Didn't have to send it to an app or anything like that, but they, they used to call those digital tests. I don't know if they still do. Yeah. And I like that as opposed to reading lines, but that was good enough for me. But hey, if this is your bag, if you're like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic, <laughs> know that it's out there and it can help you uh, determine whether or not you're pregnant. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Today on Preggy Pals, we're chatting with Ursula Sabia Sukunik, owner of Birth You Desire in the Washington, D.C. metro area. Ursula is a childbirth educator and birth doula. As a childbirth educator, she's worked with over 1,500 couples. And as a birth doula and midwife assistant, she's attended almost 1,000 births. So quite the impressive uh, resume there. (laughs) So welcome to Preggy Pals, Ursula. Thank you. So first of all, what does it mean when a baby drops in pregnancy? 
So drops is one of those sort of tricky things because people talk about baby dropping without really knowing what that means. So the technical definition means that the baby's head has entered the brim of the pelvis, meaning that the baby has started the engagement process. What dropping really means is the sensation, Mm. which is a little different. So it's a word that's constantly misused. And I think that's why maybe providers don't talk about it the way they used to, because everyone's perception of what that means is different. And so you, you mentioned the word engagement as being maybe another term for dropping. Are there any other terms or can you maybe better define? So you said it's when they go, they settle more into the pelvic area. Correct. You know, if you think of the baby in a swimming pool, the bag of waters is this big old swimming pool and the baby's, you know, playing around in there. And as they get bigger and bigger, the swimming pool reduces to a backyard swimming pool and then it becomes a hot tub and the baby has less and less space. And when that happens, ultimately, most babies at some point will fall or drop into the pelvis. So that's technically engagement in the midwifery books, but it's also called lightning. Yes, I've heard that term before too. Yeah, so I know that for first-time moms or or even second-time moms who are maybe like doing more reading in their second pregnancy, all these terms can get sort of confusing. So I think yeah. it's helpful to sort of debunk it and show how uh, they are all related. Now, when you were saying that dropping is also a sensation, what would you say that dropping feels like? So everyone responds and, and talks about it differently. So for some women, they say it's the time that I could finally take a full breath again. Some women don't recognize that their lung capacity has changed because the baby's lower. Instead, they say, oh my God, I have to go pee all the time instead. Some women start to feel wobbly because the baby's lower in the pelvis. Other women report that their appetite comes back because there's less pressure on their stomach. And even other women go on to say it feels like there's a bowling ball down there, or now my sacrum hurts, or now I have pains in my thighs which is directly due to the baby pinching different nerves as it's engaging in the pelvis. Now, Sunny, talk to me about some of your experience with dropping. You said you at least noticed it with one of your pregnancies. What did it feel like to you? I can associate more with the whole bowling ball dropping (laughs) (laughs) sensation. I mean, I really just felt like it was, I don't know, like it was go time. Like, I, I don't know. I just felt like this, it was a completely different feeling and everything just felt lower. I can't say that I felt impacted at all by like having more room or being more hungry or anything like that. I don't think I ever felt that. But again, I felt it only with one of my four children. So three pregnancies because of the twins. But only one of my pregnancies to actually go to term where the baby had a chance to drop really and have that whole process happen more naturally. So yeah, um, that's what I would describe it as. I kind of just felt lower to the ground, like a low rider. (laughs) (laughs) If I were a car, I'd be a low rider. Motorcycle. A motorcycle. Yeah, I can relate to. I remember um, for me, well, with my first pregnancy, I did have some of that pinching that Ursula mentioned or like the lower back kind of pain and pinching. And then with my second, I remember I noticed something changed when I would, I could walk around for a good three minutes, but after three minutes, yeah, it felt like something was a bowling ball was kind of mm-hmm. sitting in the middle to the back of me. Yeah. <laughs> and totally. almost like I had landed on the center of a bicycle. Like when you fall off Ooh. of a seat <laughs> onto the bar, <laughs> it was just a lot of, it just felt very heavy. Yeah, no, it wasn't comfortable. <laughs> 
And so in turn, it would turn, it would make me very slow. Like I was right. a slow mover. Yeah. Kind of almost felt like I was like underwater walking a little kind of, because something was just way down there and right. heavy and yeah. <laughs> right. Now, Ursula, I know that you've got older kiddos, but can you remember um, any sensations of dropping in your pregnancies? I remember being one of those moms who reported it really early. Mm. And I remembered being able to breathe. And I remembered going to the bathroom a lot. But what sort of surprised me was when the baby even got lower, I would have this sacral pain or the baby would pinch on this nerve that would almost radiate down the front of my thigh. And mm. that that electrical nerve feeling is really freaky when it happens. And I remember like being stunned and having to stop and like freeze in my spot once or twice just <laughs> to look, breathe through what was going on and then go back to normal again. Well, and too, I remember, you know, as a first time mom, when you'd have some of those, yeah, those strange or sort of instant pains associated with pregnancy, I would totally get in my head and be like, wait a minute, if I'm breathing through this, well, what's coming next? (laughs) (laughs) But maybe it's like nature's way to sort of prepare you for the discomfort. Definitely. Definitely. I actually, I tell my clients, the more you can feel now, the better. Yeah. Because I think if you can do more work on the front end, there's less work you have to do on the back end. Because you have to learn techniques to sort of get you through that pain management of, yeah, it kind of eases you into it for sure. Now, does the baby bump uh, change in appearance once baby drops? If someone's looking at you from the outside and they're looking at your profile, does that actually physically change um, as baby drops? So sometimes it does. Some women just carry lower. I think if somebody who lives with you or sees you on a more regular basis will actually notice two or three different things. The first thing they're going to notice is that you have more of a shelf on the top of the belly or the fundus. You know, I would always joke, that's the place where you balance your dinner plate when you were to okay. sit at the dinner table <laughs> at the end of your pregnancy. Yeah. So there's that shelf there that becomes more prominent. The other thing that you're going to notice is if you look at mom from the back or from the front, those nice fat stores that we have on our hips, they seem to disappear because they get pulled forward with the baby as the baby drops. Okay. So I can sort of attest to that because I remember I loved being pregnant because there were no love handles. (laughs) (laughs) I totally remember being like, man, from behind, I'm looking good because everything was pulled forward. Everything stretched to capacity. Totally. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I think it's interesting too when you're talking about how women carry their babies, because I think that's a misconception too. And particularly when baby still has the opportunity to swim around a lot and move and shift position, like your belly can just sort of change it. It what it looks like, you know, almost throughout the day, or if you've had a yeah. bigger meal, you know, like towards the end of the day, I was always much bigger than in the morning. And and so sometimes people will look at a belly and be like, Oh, you've dropped. But then maybe the next day baby looks like it's higher again. <laughs> I think that that's kind of a, an interesting, you know, like maybe maybe we're not using the drop word correctly. But so, how might a woman determine that the baby has in fact dropped? So I think if we go back to those sensations and not looking for the sensations or waiting for it, but just all of a sudden saying, "Oh, this is like really different than what I was experiencing before." So if mom couldn't go up and down the stairs without having to stop and catch her breath, and all of a sudden she can go up and down the stairs, but it feels different that would be an indicator or that her meal cycle has changed. Like I said, able to eat more or inability to eat. I also find that the majority of women report hip, sacral, tailbone sensations when the babies drop or fall into the pelvis, um, just because that space is taken up differently. I mean, especially if this is your first pregnancy, you've never had anything of that size in your body before. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of sensations that go hand in hand with that. 
but it's a sensation that happens. It's not a sensation you find, if that makes sense. Sure. And I think it allows you to just tap into your body and not not look for it and stress out too much about it. <laughs> Definitely. And how would a care provider determine or measure this? Because obviously they're not feeling what you're feeling. So are there ways that they can tell if the baby is you know, engaged at a certain point? So there's kind of three ideas. So one and more and more providers, at least in my area, are defaulting to this, which is ultrasound. And they do ultrasound. If we can't see the baby's head, the baby has engaged. Or if we can't get a good measurement on the baby's head. And the, you know, I'm sure you guys have gone through this before, but we know ultrasounds have a 20% inaccuracy rate associated to them. So not the most accurate way to do this. The more common way that you see is that when you go to your pregnancy, they always measure your belly in centimeters. And usually when your baby engages, you don't seem to grow at the same rate. So if you were like 36 weeks, 38 weeks, and all of a sudden you're now back to 36 weeks, oh, baby has dropped. Sure. My personal favorite is something called the Leopold's Maneuver. And the Leopold's Maneuver is a technique that is specifically taught in midwifery school. It's not always taught in obstetrical stool. And it's a very effective tool that helps people to understand what position the baby is in, as well as how the baby is aligned in the pelvis. So the provider puts their hands on mom's stomach while she's on her back, and they feel around for where the head is and where the rump is and where the back is and where the feet are. And then once they know what the baby's position is, they can measure by fingertip widths between the baby's head and the pubic bone on the mom. And basically one fingertip width is one station in pregnancy. Hmm. So if there's three fingertips between the pubic bone and the top of the baby's head, or what we perceive as the top of the baby's head, the baby's at minus three station, which means the baby has just entered into the pelvis. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to ask if you could maybe just elaborate on what station means. Yeah. For those of you unfamiliar. So the... If we think about the pelvis anatomically, it is this, um, it's a bowl basically. And the bowl changes shapes. And there's four different shapes of pelvises, which we don't need to get into, but they all are about the same as you enter in. And the baby actually has to enter the pelvis. Then the baby actually has to turn sideways to fit through the hip portion. And then as the baby's being born, the baby actually has to rotate again. Those are the three of the seven cardinal movements of labor. So the baby enters into the pelvis, and that's approximately about six inches. And the baby descends and descends and descends. And then the baby rotates to go through, to rotates to face a hip to go through the center portion, which is zero station. And then as the baby comes under the pubic bone, we then move into plus one, plus two, plus three station. And plus three is when we see the top of the baby's head. So minus three is all the way up at the top. So it goes minus three, minus two, minus one. Zero is the midpoint where the top of the baby's head is even with the ischial spines, which are these two bony parts in the pelvis. And then it goes plus one, plus two, plus three. We see the top of the baby's head. And so... I think I've heard the term for the negative stations. Would that be considered like the baby's floating? So floating or blottable means that when you do a vaginal exam, that the baby's head is not wedged in. And if we were to poke the baby's head with our fingers, the baby bounces in the pelvis. <laughs> Just Let's not poke at the baby. The visual on this. Yeah. Well, it's the best visual I've got for you. No, no, it makes sense. Yeah. Just, yeah. You don't think of a baby being able to bounce in that position. Though. And the baby, the baby really can wiggle and bounce in there. So if the baby's not locked into place, the baby is still floating or belaudable. 
Now, um, did either of you have any conversations with your providers, probably, you know, mid to late pregnancy about baby dropping? Was this ever a conversation? You know, I'm trying to think for me, did I have this conversation? I really didn't know. You know, you're pregnant with your first baby. Yeah. I mean, you really, I didn't know anything about the station, you know, the stages. I I, I just, I didn't know, you know, baby comes out, boom. <laughs> um, so I was really relying on them to guide me through everything. So no, I would say if she did say something, I didn't know what she was saying. And I just kind of like went, oh, okay, whatever. You know what you're doing, whatever. But I did know a little bit more with my second son. And what I really remember about that, that was that it was a planned cesarean and due to my complications from my first birth and there was no other way to do it. We had to do a cesarean. And so I remember her saying to me, oh yeah, he's nowhere near dropping. And this was the day she was just checking me out right before surgery. And I just remember her saying that because I was so disappointed. First of all, I was just so disappointed that I had to have this planned cesarean. I had such a good vaginal birth with the first one. I, I had a lot of complications, but I didn't realize that I was having complications until after everything was over. So the actual birth experience was really great for me with my first. And I really wanted to have that with all my other children. So I was already upset about the whole cesarean thing. And then, and I kind of felt like when my son came out, my second son after the C-section, I felt like he wasn't quite done. <laughs> he needed to cook a little bit longer. He came out at 38 weeks. And I was like, eh, I just don't feel like he's, he just didn't, didn't have some of the same things that my first son had. And so when she said he hadn't even dropped, I was just kind of like, this is too soon. This is too soon. So that's what I remember. Yeah. And Ursula, do you remember having conversations with your care providers about while you were still pregnant about baby dropping? So I, I actually did. So I had a couple of different things that happened. I was a high-risk pregnancy before both pregnancies. So there, I was under a lot of fetal monitoring and ultrasounds almost, you know, weekly or bi-weekly. Mm-hmm. So it was very, I had that confirmation when the baby dropped because we saw it on the ultrasound. We had that confirmation and I was, I did a really good job educating myself actually, which is probably why I became a childbirth educator, but there was so much other stuff going on, like renovating the master bedroom and trying to buy baby stuff and figuring out how to install the car seat that it really wasn't foremost in my mind at that moment. And kind of like Sunny, my children were born at 37 weeks. Mm. So I may not have been able to experience everything that everybody else did. Sure. Yeah. I don't remember um, really talking about certainly not stations or engagement. I don't think in pregnancy, I think it really both times came up more in childbirth. Where they, you know, because when they're checking the dilation and then they'll tell you the station and all of that. So, yeah, I don't remember having a lot of conversation with my providers while I was pregnant about it. So as a doula, I have to say that's like the most, that's the hardest thing for me. Because if I know what station the baby's at, I can have a better idea of how the birth might play out. Because Mm -hmm. if the baby can't enter the pelvis, the baby can't come out of the pelvis. Right. So I'm less concerned, as a doula, I'm less concerned about the dilation and the effacement numbers I'm more concerned about what station the baby's at. And if I've got a baby that's low in the pelvis and mom's reporting all these sensations, I get excited because I know things are going to work out. Mm -hmm. So my perception's a little different as a birth worker. Well, and I want to talk about this. Actually, I have some questions pertaining to that in just a minute, but we're going to take our first break. So when we come back, we'll go over uh, when babies typically drop in pregnancy and what that means for labor. So we'll be right back. Welcome back. Today, we're talking about signs that your baby has dropped during pregnancy. Joining us today is childbirth educator and doula, Ursula Sabia Sukunik. 
So we were just talking about baby being engaged and what that can mean for labor. And, you know, as a doula, you like to kind of know this to see how you can assist a woman uh, in making her childbirth what she wants it to be. So if a baby, say a baby is sunny side up or posterior, uh, will they drop the same way? And will the signs of dropping be the same? They do drop the same way depending on the proportion between baby and mom's pelvis. So baby's head and mom's pelvis. You know, if we have a large baby with a large head and we have a small woman, no, she's probably not going to drop the same way or report sensations the same way. But for the vast majority of women, yes. I will qualify that statement saying that when the baby is posterior or acyclitic, that a wider part of the head is trying to enter the pelvis first. And because of that, the women actually report more sensations than the babies that are not. Mm, Interesting. And what about a breach or transverse? Because I know transverse is tricky. If they're they're sideways, I'm not sure how they drop, but I know a breach does. So could you speak on that a little bit? So transverse babies only drop if their shoulder or their arm drops into the pelvis. So the moms will report similar sensations, not as descriptively, probably. And when those babies are born, oftentimes we'll see, you know, a little bit of swelling or bruising from the way they were presenting. The same thing happens with breech. When the baby is in the frank breech position, which is buttocks first with their legs folded up like by the pike position, mm-hmm. those babies will enter into the pelvis early. And because the butt is much more fleshy than the head is, um, the babies will actually get lower in the pelvis before moms report those sensations versus when you have a head that's first. Now, when the baby is in the cannonball or the classic breech position where they're in there sort of crisscross applesauce or like their tail mm-hmm. sitting on the floor, um, those women do report similar sensations to a baby that is head first or vertex just because of the surface area. Interesting. And are there any differences if a woman is carrying multiples? So usually with multiples, baby A is decided, we call baby A, baby A, because they're first in the canal. Mm -hmm. And baby B would be the other baby or baby C would be the subsequent child. So usually with multiples, either they're in there like bookends right next to each other, and they don't figure out who's going to come in first until labor starts. Rock, paper, scissors. (laughs) Rock, paper, scissors, whatever it might be. (laughs) Um, flip coin, maybe. (laughs) Um, or one of them sort of says, okay, I'm bigger, I'm heavier, and I'm taking that first spot. And then the second baby sort of fits in wherever they have space. (laughs) I can attest to that because my baby B was like all cramped up, like poor thing, probably came out with just a cramp in her side from like being all tucked up and in a weird spot wherever she could fit. My baby B was actually the biggest one though. And and they were both, they both came out at about five and a half pounds. Um, but yeah, throughout um, the pregnancy and everything, when we started tracking them, like, yeah, she was always at least a few ounces bigger. So and baby that's unusual, Sunny, in my experience, at least. Really? Baby A is a little bit bigger. Interesting. Ah, interesting. What gestation does a baby usually drop? So babies, I mean, if you look at the textbooks, they say babies will drop anywhere from two to four weeks before delivery. I am going to disagree with that. After supporting over a thousand births now, I can tell you that babies drop at all different times. Some babies drop early, some babies drop late. Personally, my children dropped, I think, four to six weeks before delivery. 
Probably two to four weeks is a good rule of thumb. I like to tell my moms that you're going to be really uncomfortable for at least a month before your child is born. And the purpose of that is to get your body used to these sensations and to get the baby used to the sensations. But it's also to make you happy that you're going into labor. And that's right. all related to engaging. It's true. You get that like second trimester vacation. And then it's like, yeah, Whoa. we want to make you uncomfortable so that you actually are motivated to get the baby out. Yes. <laughs> that's a good point, though. Yeah. I didn't think about it that way. And then I would love to hear both of your takes on this as well, because is it different for a first time mom versus a second? Second time mom, in terms of uh, the gestation that the baby might engage. Sunny, jeez, I don't, I, I don't really know. Well, yeah, well, you're well, not sure because yeah, you have because the cesarean, yeah, right, right. But I will say that I definitely, and maybe this would or wouldn't have happened with subsequent babies, but with my first, I know he didn't drop until the very end. Like I think I had an an appointment. I actually had a scheduled appointment the day I uh, naturally went into labor. And I think that they were just saying, I mean, they were kind of coaxing him down, but like, I think I'm like a last minute dropper. And like I said, with my second son, I was at 38 weeks and maybe a couple days. I can't remember when my scheduled cesarean happened and my OB said, oh, he's nowhere near dropping. And then with the twins, they were born at 35 weeks. And actually they did have a planned cesarean, but not until 30 eight weeks. And um, they came early because baby A broke her water. Mm-hmm. And so I never really heard anything about dropping at that point. I mean, when you're pregnant with twins, you feel like your whole baby is just body <laughs> anyway, or baby anyway. Right. So like, if someone would have dropped, I don't even know that I would have known I was just so uncomfortable, you know, even at 35 weeks. Sure. So yeah, and I think I did drop sooner with my first than my second. I'm also Ursula, a childbirth educator, and I I know that there can be some differences with what happens before labor versus what happens during labor with a first time versus second pluser time mom. So I was wondering if you've noticed any of that as a mother or in your practice. As a mother, I actually found that my second kid dropped earlier than my first, okay. and I think the reason for that is my first made such a nice mark in my pelvis that my second son was just able to follow the first child. Mm. With my clients, I would say the majority of my second and third time moms drop later than they do with their first. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because the moms are constantly carrying babies on their, their, their child, their toddler on their hip. So their pelvis is out of whack. And because their pelvis is out of whack, the babies don't have the same space to drop in. Well, yeah, because it sounds counterintuitive, right? Like you would think that you're just, you know, the first baby makes way and the rest follows suit easier or or quicker. So it's just kind of interesting because I always thought that that seemed counterintuitive. (laughs) Well, the tissue does have the muscles in the tissue has muscle memory. So it does remember what to do. Unlike with the first birth where we have to teach the body what to do, the second and third time it just remembers it and it does it more easier which is also why we always look more pregnant with subsequent pregnancies because our bodies know what they're supposed to do. But I think it really has to do with our postures and our positions and our body mechanics and our habits and our day-to-day lives. Because, you know, my more athletic moms or my moms that are really concerned about posture and making sure they're carrying their babies, they seem to drop earlier than the women who are the more classic couch potato type. Mm, Interesting. So I'm going to ask you uh, one more question before we finish up. When baby drops, does it cause any other changes in the body to move mom closer to labor? Like, is it related to labor beginning? So if we're talking about exclusively with first-time moms, usually when the baby drops, that additional pressure on the cervix causes the cervix to start to thin. And that thinning is called effacement. And if you think about it this way, your cervix is 
actually thickens in pregnancy. So it has to go from a turtleneck to a mock turtleneck to basically a t-shirt before it can start to open. So that pressure thins or effaces the cervix. Now, as the cervix is thinning and effacing, there's going to be cramping sensations. The cervix is vascular. There's blood vessels in there that might rupture. So there's sometimes spotting as the cervix thins. And then, of course, there's what Sunny was talking about, which is that you know, bowling ball pressure in your bottom or the sacral pressure that I described just because the baby is lower in that tissue for you. So it, it can um, help the opening process yeah. <laughs> for labor for sure. Well, awesome. Um, this wraps up our episode of Preggy Pals for today. Thank you so much, Ursula, for joining us. For information about our show, as well as information about our experts, visit the episode page on our website. This conversation continues for members of the Preggy Pals Club. After the show, we're going to be talking about benefits to encouraging baby to drop and how to do so. Okay, so before we wrap up our show, we have, you know, I was telling you guys at the beginning of the show, we have all these segments that you can participate in. And so one of them is called Pregnancy Oops, and it's where you share kind of the funny things that have happened to you during your pregnancy. And so uh, this comes from one of our listeners, Sarah. And Sarah says, oh, actually, I didn't even realize that. So she's a twin mama. So hi, fellow twin mama. She says, when I was pregnant with our twins... Hubby got kicked in the face a lot. However, I think that the funniest was when one of the cats came to sit on my lap when I was seven months pregnant. The baby, one of the babies, kicked hard and hit her square in the jaw. She couldn't figure out what happened. So she settled back down on my lap, only facing the other direction. So the other twin kicked her directly in the eye. (laughs) She still doesn't sit with me very often anymore. And the boys are almost nine months old. <laughs> poor cat. Aw, cats just want to like sit on your lap, and the poor babies are like kicking her, like no matter where she goes. I wonder what their relationship or the baby's relationship is to the cat now. <laughs> Yeah, the cat probably stays pretty far away, right. especially, yeah, they're getting that, that toddler, you know, age. I'm sure she's uh, not around too much. <laughs> I have a similar story, except for it's with my husband. <laughs> he's going to be so embarrassed right. when he knows he's in the show. But <laughs> so I am, I think, 35 weeks pregnant with my first son. And I am spooning with my husband in the bed. So my belly is to his back and we're just having a nice cuddle movement moment. And then all of a sudden my husband goes, stop hitting me. And I go, I'm not hitting you. And then he turns around and goes, seriously, that was my kidney. Stop it. And I said, not me. It's not me, dude. I'm not doing it. And he goes, would you just like grow up and stop doing it? It's not funny. And I said, let me show you something. And I rolled onto my back and I said, give me your hand. And I put his hand on my belly as my son, Joe, proceeded to take his elbow, push it against my husband's hand, his palm, and stick it out of my belly and do a 360 rollover on my belly. Oh, my gosh. He freaked. He freaked out. He basically jumped out of the bed. He wouldn't like touch me or the belly for a week. He was so petrified that he was going to hurt me or hurt the baby. You know, like the baby was too real for him at that moment. It was, (laughs) it was awesome. It's so strange that there's like this body in there that has their own free movement. (laughs) I That was one of my favorite things to do, like towards the end of a pregnancy was just to lay down flat and to watch my belly move. Like I thought 
that was the coolest thing ever. Kind of gives me like, kind of. You guys remember the movie Alien? Yes. You know how like you know you're kind of waiting for something to like just Pop jump out of your belly. <laughs> Obviously, that doesn't happen. But I just thought that was like the coolest thing. Yes. You know, it's not exactly comfortable, but it's it's cool. Definitely, it's one of the things <laughs> I miss about being pregnant. All the movement. Yeah. So Sarah, thanks so much for sending this in. We do appreciate your funny stories. If you guys are listening and you have a funny pregnancy oops story that you want to share with us, we would love to hear it. You can go to our website at newmommymedia.com. You can click on the contact link. Also, there's a great banner on all the pages of our website that says send voicemail. So if you would rather tell your story yourself, that's a great way to do it too. You just click that little banner and you can use a microphone on your computer and send us a voicemail that way and tell your own story. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Preggy Pals. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Newbies, for postpartum moms during baby's first year, Parent Savers for parents with infants and toddlers, Twin Talks for parents of multiples, and The Boob Group for parents who breastfeed. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. How would you like to have your own show on the New Mommy Media Network? We're expanding our lineup and looking for great content. If you're a business or organization interested in learning more about our co-branded podcasts, visit our website at newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.